All right, I think that's my cue to get started. You reckon when they turn the lights on you? When they turn them off? You know what that means too, right? Shut up, go home. Hey, it's good to have everybody out tonight. And I trust that you've had a great week thus far. How many of you have had a real good week? All right. How many of you did it catch you by surprise you was having a good week? I called Dustin up there. Yeah, I called him today about 11 o'clock. And I said, how's your day going? He goes, well, you know, it's been pretty good. He was surprised. He was having a good day. I've been there, haven't you? I mean, you've had stress, 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 and all of a sudden things level out, and you go, wow, hallelujah, it's peaceful for a change. Boy, it's good to know that God uh, is still in the miracle working business. When things get a little rough, get out of hand, he can just speak sweet peace in your life. Amen? Let's take just a few moments, turn around. I, I see a lot of people here tonight that I don't know. Uh, I get to come to the 1115 service because I'm teaching down at the other building. A lot of you I haven't seen in a while. And there's probably somebody around you that you haven't seen in a while. So take just a few moments, shake hands with those around you, get to meet somebody, and we'll get started here in just a moment. got your Bibles with you tonight, you can go ahead and stand. We're going to be looking at John chapter 6, John chapter 6. I love studying the miracles that Jesus uh, performed during his earthly ministry, and it's amazing to me uh, the lessons that we can learn in the midst of them. Uh, John, I believe in the latter, last chapter of his book, he said that many things Jesus did that are not written, but these are written that you might know that he is the Son of God. And there's a lot of things that we can learn, and we can look back on the miracles that Jesus did, and we can understand tonight that the same Jesus back then that was working in those folks' lives Hallelujah, he's working in ours also. Ain't that a blessing? And so tonight we're just going to learn a little bit about a very familiar uh, miracle 
uh, of Jesus taking and breaking the five loaves and two fishes and feeding a multitude, all right? Brother Buchanan, will you do me a favor and lead us in a word of prayer, and then we'll read. Amen. Thank you so much. In John chapter 6, verse 1, said, After these things Jesus went over the Sea of Galilee, which was the Sea of Tiberias. And a great multitude followed him, because they saw his miracles, which he had did on them that were diseased. And Jesus went up into a mountain. There he sat with his disciples and the Passover, a feast of the Jews, which was nigh. And when Jesus had lifted up his eyes, he saw the great company coming unto him. He said unto Philip, where shall we buy bread that these may eat? And this he said to prove him, for he himself knew what he would do. Philip answered him, Two hundred penny worth of bread is not sufficient for them that every one of them may take a little. One of his disciples, Andrew Simon, Peter's brother, saith unto him, There is a lad here which has five barley loaves and two small fishes. But what are they among so many? And Jesus said, Make the men to sit down, now there was much grass in the place, so the men sat down in number of about 5,000. And Jesus took the loaves, and when he had given thanks, he distributed it to the disciples, and the disciples to them that were set down, and likewise to the fishes as much as they would. And when they were filled, he said unto his disciples, Gather up the fragments that remain, that nothing be lost. Therefore they gathered them together and filled twelve baskets with the fragments of the five barley loaves which remained over and above unto them that had eaten. Uh, a very familiar miracle. And as I began to study this some time back, I was thinking about this little lad and putting myself in his shoes. You may be seated. I'm sorry. I'm going to make you stand up for the whole introduction. I was putting myself in the little lad's shoes. If I'm in that position, am I going to give it up? Now, you can tell by looking at me, I have not given up very many lunches in my lifetime. Uh, and I was thinking back when I was a young lad, um, I grew up, I, I never liked to use the term poor because I had a lot going great for me in my life. But I did grow up in a home that was what we would call financially deficient. Y'all know what I'm talking about? There wasn't a lot of money around the house. Uh, my dad had been involved in a, in a bad accident and uh, had broken his neck. And so there was a year or two there. We didn't get a whole lot of income coming in. And uh, how many of you know what brown bagging is? Yes, hallelujah. I would brown bag to school because that's all we had. Uh, if I was fortunate, I got a, a good uh, ham sandwich or something, you know, the kind that you can read the newspaper through. And... Uh, Usually it was peanut butter and crackers, the homemade kind. You know, the little white saltines with peanut butter make you crave a gallon of milk when you're trying to eat them. And that was my lunch usually. And I'm carrying it to school, and all my buddies got Dukes of Hazard lunch boxes and Gilligan's Island lunch boxes and all these cool things that I want. But I'm what? I'm financially deficient. And so I remember dealing with that 
growing up. My summer pastime was going to Bible school. I went to every Bible school in the county. Church of God had one, I was there. Church of Christ had one, I was there. For sure, if all the Baptist churches had one, I was there. I was in Bible school almost every week during the summer, sometimes two. I'd go to the morning one, then I'd go to another one in the evening. I glued more beans on construction paper than any kid in my county. I got a journeyman carpenter's degree building birdhouses. I went to Bible school everywhere I could. There was one particular church that in our town, they were the cool church to go to. They were the ones that built the first gym. They were cool. They had what's called Bible camp. You got there at 8 o'clock in the morning. You didn't leave till 3 o'clock in the evening. And they had it at a camp uh a park camp type setting. They had walking trails and playgrounds. It was the best. One of the prerequisites of coming to Bible camp, you had to bring your own lunch. And I'm thinking, oh, man, I'm getting peanut butters and crackers again and paper-thin ham sandwich, and I don't want to go and be like that again. Apparently, we come into some money. Because mom packed me my favorite lunch. I got in my lunch that day a ham sandwich that was short of ham. It was that fold it back kind where you lay it over and bring it back, you know, where it's good and thick. And the cheese had just melted just right. Now, I'm about nine years old. This is a big deal, okay? Then my favorite chip. Brother Johnny ain't in here, is he? Because these ain't golden flakes. Doritos. Now, I'm telling on my age right here, but I remember when Doritos came out. Y'all remember that? I thought, this is what manna from heaven tastes like. This is wonderful. Uh, I love Doritos, and I had them in my lunch that day. And then... You can't tell this, but this is a ding-dong. Y'all know what the ding-dongs are? Hallelujah. Chocolate cake infused with cream dipped in chocolate. Does it get any better than that? Wonderful. Here I am at camp with a hundred-something other kids, and I got my favorite lunch. I'll be honest with you tonight. I don't know if it would come to me and said, Chris, we got a hundred something kids here without a meal. Would you be willing to give up yours to feed all of them? I don't know if a little nine-year-old boy if I'd have said, uh-uh, I'm keeping my Doritos ham sandwich and ding-dong. Or would I have given it? Because just like in this story, I'd have thought, what, how in the world are we all going to eat on that? But I promise you tonight, when all of us look at the truths that we find in this miracle, It'll make you want to give whatever you may have. And some of you are sitting here tonight and you're thinking, what I've got is so insignificant. Let's look at this miracle tonight. First thing we want to see is the situation of the miracle. The situation of the miracle. Here we see the disciples. They have been ministering in Tiberias with Jesus. And, and there's four different accounts of this in Matthew, Mark, Luke and John, and if you put them all together, you really see the whole picture 
But they've been ministering all day, maybe even longer. Jesus had been going and touching and healing and doing all the things that he did while he was here on earth. And they just got tired. You ever get tired and well-doing? They got tired and they said, you know what? We're going to go across the Sea of Galilee by boat. We're going to go up in the hills and, and just chill out for a little while. And the, the Bible says in one of the passages that the crowd figured out what was going on. So they went by land and caught up to them. Jesus and the disciples are up in the hills and, and just laying back, relaxing. And here comes the crowd. And Jesus asked them, what are we going to do? And they began to say, well, we're going to send them away. And, and they, they share the situation with Jesus as if he doesn't already know. And there's three things that we see about the situation of this miracle. Number one is the deficiency of food. They've left town. They've come up here. All these people left without packing a lunch. And now they're way off from town. And they don't have anything to eat. And one says, well, we can't go back into town and buy them anything. We, we don't have anything with us. So here we are with nothing for them to eat. Not only was there a deficiency of food, but there was a darkness of the day. At one point, one of the disciples says, tells Jesus, we've got to send them away because the day is far spent. It's starting to get dusty dark. And if these people don't leave, they're not going to make it back in town in time. We see the darkness of the day, the situation they're in. And then lastly, we see the desertedness of the place. Now the Bible says there was much grass around, so they wasn't in a desert, but they were so far from town that there was no help for them anywhere close by. There was not a McDonald's or a Hardee's or anything close by. I remember when we were in Mexico, Kathy and I would work down there in the summers, and we would bring groups in, and we'd be way up in the, the mountains. We'd been traveling for eight or nine hours on a bus, and there's nothing. And just for kicks, when we would get up in the morning up there in the camp, we'd go around and ask everybody what they wanted from Hardee's. And people would tell us, I want an egg and cheese. There's not a Hardee's anywhere around. These folks were in a deserted place. The physical situation is desperate. But let me share something with you tonight. The spiritual situation was also desperate. I believe it's in Mark chapter 6, verse 34. When Jesus sees the multitude, and Jesus, when he came out and saw the people, he was moved with compassion toward them because they were as sheep having no shepherd, and began to teach them many things. The folks in that day and time that came up to this area, they were needing help. May I share with you tonight, we have a lot of folks living in the Coleman area, in the Alabama area, in the United States, that are deficient of good old gospel food. We're living in a time where you would think, especially in America, we have it on all sides. You can go to Walmart, buy a Bible, but people still are deficient of spiritual food. I teach uh, down in the lower building on Sunday mornings. I teach the guys that come in on the work release. And there was one particular Sunday morning, I had about 20 guys come in on the bus, and we're sitting in a circle, and I asked them, I said, how many of you 
were raised in church. Not one hand went up. How many of you, this is your first church experience? Almost every one of them went up. How many of you have a mom and dad that at some point in time in their life was involved in church? None of them. Some of the stories that they were telling me that they grew up in, it was sad. We're living in a time where a lot of folks are deficient in what God wants in their life. Not only that, but we're living in a time that is dark. Now, I know I'm painting a negative picture right now, but we're going to get to the good stuff here in just a minute. I remember about 20 years ago, almost 20 years ago, I surrendered to preach. And one of my first messages, I read this particular passage of 2 Timothy chapter 3. And I remember reading it and thinking, you know, we're not quite there yet, but it's looking dim. See if this sounds familiar, 2 Timothy chapter 3. This know also that in the last days perilous times shall come. For men shall be lovers of their own self, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truth breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, despisers of those that are good, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying the power thereof, from such turn away. For of this sort are they which creep into houses and lead captive silly women laden with sin, led away with divers' lusts, ever learning and never able to come to the knowledge of truth. Is that not like watching our news today and reading the newspaper? We're living in a dark time. There's not one prophecy that is left to be fulfilled for Christ to return. And I promise you tonight, we're living in the twilight of time and him coming back. Dear friend, tonight we're in a dark time. Not only that, but this is sad to say, we're living in a deserted location. Brother Johnny's not in here tonight, but he runs our care ministry. And a lot of times, and Brother Buchanan, you probably dealt with this a lot, a lot of times we'll have people come into our church, and when they come and meet our pastor over in the hospitality area, they'll say, say things like, we've been to every church around here, but there's just nothing like this. I was told when I moved here that Coleman has the most churches per capita of population. But yet we can't find a church. Temple's it. Now, I don't believe that, but that's what we're being told. Kathy and I, I'm from North Georgia and grew up and raised there right outside of Chattanooga, Tennessee. And uh, I, if, if Coleman is first, we're second up there because there's a church. There's one intersection that there is five signs pointing down that road for five Baptist churches. And every one of them, I could throw a rock and hit them. Five of them right there. If you don't like this one, go across the street. There's another one available. The problem is, Kathy and I have even talked about it. If we were to ever move back home, there's not a church worth going to. We're living in a deserted location. It's sad. Now, that's the situation that we're in. 
I wonder tonight, do you understand the situation? It's dark. We don't have what we need. And we're at a deserted location. But hallelujah, it's not just a situation, but there's a solution in the miracle. Aren't you glad tonight there's a solution? Amen? The disciples said in some of the the particular uh, passages, as they see the multitude coming, send them away. Send them away. We can't deal with them. Some of them said, we'll take what little bit of money we got, and we'll buy them a snack just to hold them over. Anybody here like snacks? Now, I want the whole enchilada, amen? I ain't ate much for supper tonight, y'all. This is a bad one to be preaching on. <coughs> they said, give them a little snack and send them on their way. Some of them just said, what are we going to do among so many? But hallelujah, there was a solution that was found. We could see the provision, the provision that was found. No doubt this little lad was much like me. He's going to learn about Jesus, meet all of his friends, and his mama has probably packed in his favorite lunch. It could not compare to mine, but I'm sure it was pretty good in his eyes. And now all of a sudden the disciples coming to him, actually he came to them and said, here, you can have mine. And, uh, and, and probably in several of the passages it says there was 5,000 men plus women and children, so approximately 15,000, anywhere from 10 to 15,000 for sure. And this was all they got. There's a provision that was found. But Jesus took the provision that was found and used it to feed the whole multitude. But there's a unique thing that I found out in all four stories. We see the provision that's found, but the posture that they took. If you read all four of them tonight, you can go home and read them. They may have put them up on the screen at the beginning. But in every one of them, Jesus said, tell them to sit down. Tell them to sit down. I'd never seen that before until I studied it this time. And I'm like, what's up with the sitting down thing? How many of you have ever been to a good old-fashioned church dinner on the ground? Yeah, some of you I know have been two or three like me. <laughs> what do we always do? We set that stuff out on a long table, and I mean, it's just like wonderful. Just The longer the table, the better it looks. And we say, all right, everybody get a plate, and let's form two lines down both sides. Let's get her done. We got a lot of people to feed. I one particular uh, old-fashioned day, I think we had like 600 people here. We weren't prepared for about 300. Y'all remember that? I mean, get busy. Let's go down both sides of the table. But no, Jesus said, have them to all sit down. And then he took the lad's lunch and he broke it and he distributed it to the disciples and they distributed it to the people. There's provision that was found, the posture that they took, but there's some principles that are taught. The principle is this, God will take what you have, use it, and multiply it. He did not tell the little lad, said, son, you're going to have to go back to town, get five or six more loaves of bread and all the fish you can carry, then we'll use you. No, he said, what have you got? He took just what he had and he used it. 
The other principle is this. When God gives you something and he takes it and multiplies it, it's meant to be taken out and given to the people. We know the situation now is there's a lot of folks out there that need what you and I have. And unless you and I take it to them, they're probably not going to get it. We hear it all the time of people coming in and we say, how did you get here? You know, How did you find out about Temple? Well, so-and-so told me about this church. That's taking what you got, giving it to somebody else so they can come and get what they need. Very rarely do we have anybody that just shows up, that's ah, just showed up. I was up at my father-in-law's church in Chicago on a major, major road right outside of Chicago. There was a car going by at every possible time a car go by. I mean, they were just bumper to bumper. Not one car slammed on the brakes or come in sideways to the church. We've never had that happen here. The, the principle is this. What God gives you, he wants you to also take out and give to others. Let me promise you tonight, if you've been at Temple for a long time, a lot of times we get spoiled. And I've been there. I've been complacent before. Those of you that's been here for a long time, you get complacent. We have something wonderful here. We have a good preacher that preaches the book without compromise and preaches it straight. That's not happening everywhere. We have people in our church that care about one another. We have opportunities in our church to learn. If you come out of our church and you don't know nothing, I promise you, it's your fault. There's classes going on all the time. We've been given something great. Now we've got to take it out, give to others. Let me ask you tonight, are you a part of the solution? Are you willing to give whatever little thing you've got so that God could take it and multiply it and give to others? Are you a part of the solution? I always tell the folks that I teach in the class, you influence someone every day, all day. But it's up to you whether you influence them positively or negatively. Are you a part of the solution tonight? And then lastly, I like this, the satisfaction in the miracle. The satisfaction in the miracle. Let me back up a minute. I missed a great illustration. The preacher is all the time giving us on the south books to read. Buchanan, you may remember the story. But it's one of the books that we read, it talks about taking whatever you have and using it to grow your church. And we read about a preacher that went, took in a, taking a small church. In that church was a whole lot of, of senior saints, a lot of older folks that in their mind had, had done all their service, and they were just going to sit back, relax, and take it easy. And here this pastor comes in, he's trying his best to grow the church. And he's got one little old lady in the church that's excited about everything. Anything that he wants to do, hey, I'm here to do it. And he asked her one day, he said, what do you do well? She said, well, preacher, about all I know to do is knit, because I like to sit around and knit. He said, I tell you what, he said, you knit 
as many little hats and booties as you can. And you take them to the local hospital, and every time a little baby's born, I want you to go up and I want you to give them a little hat and a set of booties for their baby on behalf of our church. And that lady took him to heart. She did that. Every day she was knitting, knitting, knitting. She'd get a bunch of them up. She'd take them up to the hospital, go to every parent in there. Hey, this is a set of uh, hat and a set of booties on behalf of our church. We just want you to know uh, that we're excited about your new addition to your family. And lo and behold, guess who started showing up at his church? People with a lot of little babies with hats and booties on. His church grew so so much in about three years' time that it, it just blew everybody's mind. What was he doing? He was taking what he had and using it to grow a church. There was another pastor that uh, he was in a small town, I believe it was up in Ohio, and couldn't get his church to grow, and he started looking at the obituaries. And that's an odd place to look, isn't it? To grow a church. I mean, you don't want to grow with more dead people, right? I said more. Um, And he started looking in the obituary, and he started seeing families that were losing loved ones. And he got the idea that he went by the florist, made a deal with the florist, said, listen, I'll buy regularly from you if you'll give me a good deal on some inexpensive bouquets of flowers. Sure enough, they made the deal. So every time somebody in his town would pass away, he would go buy an inexpensive set of flowers, take it to the family, say, listen, I am so-and-so pastor of of the church, and uh, I just want to come by and share with you my condolences. And here's some flowers on behalf of our church. Here's a card, my phone number, directions our church. If there's anything we can do to help you, feel free to call me. The town, if I remember right, was about 12, 1,300 people, small town. The, the attendance at his church outgrew the town in under five years because he was taking just a little bit of sympathy to some folks that needed it, and God blessed him. You may be sitting here tonight, and you don't know what you can give, but just a, little, a phone call, a letter, my mom, we went visiting them this past weekend. She's blind. She can't see hardly. She can barely get around the house. But as far as doing anything, she can. She has a recliner over in the corner of the living room, and she sits there a lot during the day. And I know that if I have an issue, I could call mom up and say, Mom, I'm having a difficulty. Can you pray for me? And to most of you, that may be a little thing, but my mom is giving what she's got to help. Listen tonight, don't underestimate what you have. Because what you have put in God's hand is a big deal. Be a part of the solution. Now back to where I was a while ago, the satisfaction of the miracle. Now this is cool. The satisfaction of the miracle. Did the Bible say that they got a serving and that was it? If you read all four of them, in several occasions it says they were filled all that they would. You see, there was food that was filling. I can't imagine being sitting in that crowd and eating fish and, and bread 
and as much as I can eat, they keep bringing. And basically, by the end of the day, everybody sitting in the grass had eaten their fill. The food that was filling. Jesus took a small thing and fed the whole crowd. That's what they got, this. But then notice the fragments for the future. In the last verse that I read, said that they gathered up all of the fragments and it filled how many baskets? Twelve. Can anybody here tell me, and I, I want to know, so if you know, I, I'd love to know. What happened to the twelve baskets? Pardon? I would like to think so. Some said, well, there's twelve disciples, so all the disciples got one. I don't believe that. The boy would have got, got the raw end of the deal. The fragments for the future. I got to believe that that little boy went home and there's no way he could have carried it so the disciples probably had to carry it for him. When he walked in the door, he said, Mama, you ain't going to believe this. I have enough food to feed our family for a long time. And it wasn't so much the food I got to believe, but it was the knowledge that followed that young man for the rest of his life knowing that what he gave not only impacted the people, but, man, it made an impact on his life. You see, a lot of times we as Christians, we go through life and we, we give and we give and, and maybe we work. And if you're in service in some capacity of our church, you're giving and you're giving. And then that day comes that somebody shares with you what a blessing you've been. And, man, that just does something to you. And the rest of your life, you remember the successes that God allowed you to be a part of. Today, I got a call. And I won't be honest with you. I know a preacher says this all the time. Can I be honest with you tonight? As opposed to lying to you, I guess. But I, I, Sunday, I went and picked up the guys from the jail. Five of them came out to get on my bus. Pardon me if I just get in the flesh, but I just like, man, do these guys know what I go through to come and get them? And I mean, none of them ever come. I don't hear nothing from them. And, uh, and here I am just feeling poop mouth sorry for myself, trying to serve the Lord, and they won't come. I'm a little irritated. I got here, got repented of it, and we had a good class, and a lot of their family come, and as I see the families come in, and I think, hey, you know, we're making an impact. Well, today, I got a phone call from one of the guys that's been out for a while. And he said, Chris, I just wanted to call and let you know I'm doing great. I'm back with my family. I'm working. I've got money in the bank. I've got a vehicle. I just wanted you to know I'm doing good. That was fragments for me. That loaded my basket, so to speak. It's wonderful to know that sometimes in life we, we give just a little bit and we see God take it and multiply it. And we see people blessed, and that's cool. But then when God gives you this, he gives you the whole loaf of bread. He gives you the whole bag of Doritos. 
Hallelujah. He gives you the whole box of ding-dongs. I will fight anybody that touches these tonight, all right? I'm just kidding. I'm on a diet, so I'm going to have to get rid of them tonight. You know, we think we're doing a lot. And then God goes, here you go, right back at you. You see, the neat thing about serving him is his economy is out of this world. We we think, man, we're giving, we're giving. And God says, no, here's what giving is. We give this to those, but we get to take home this. Multiply it over. I promise you tonight, when you grasp this truth, it'll make this a whole lot easier in your life. Now listen, at Temple Baptist, there's a lot of areas that you can do that in. I don't know of a ministry that's not needing help. And I want to use my moment. I need CDL drivers. See me after church. There's multiple ministries in this church that you could do this. And the cool part is when you get done, you get this. There'll be that person who'll call you up and say, Hey, man, because you taught me in Childers Church, this is where I'm at today. Because you cared for me in my small group, I didn't go do something stupid yesterday. When I got that phone call from somebody on the care team, it made an impact in my life. You thought, I'm just giving a little bit, but God gives back more than you can ever give to him. I wonder tonight, when was the last time you were super satisfied in God? It'll be right after you did that. Almost every time. When you get that blessing in your life, it'll usually be right after that. When was the last time you were satisfied in God's work? When was the last time that you had the peace come over you no matter what circumstance you're in, no matter what your bank account says, no matter what is going on around you, I've got peace in my heart because I know I'm giving my life to Him and He's giving back so much to me. I wonder tonight, what's in your bag? What's in your bag that you can give? We're going to take just a few minutes to come to an altar of prayer. And I want us to come and just simply kneel down here and say, God, what is it you would have me to give? He'll be specific to you. I promise you, God's not sitting up in heaven going, guess. Nope, guess again. He wants you to just be willing to say, here it is, God, and watch what he will do. Amen, church? Let's all come down to the altar. Those of you that can and will. I want us to have a heart tonight that would say, God, whatever you'd have me to do, I'll be willing to do it. Wherever you want me to serve, I'll be willing to serve. Whatever minute task that 
you think I can perform, I'll perform it to the best of my ability. Brother Donnie, if you will, stand where you're at and lead us in a word of prayer, and then I'll close.